about an interview with the oldest brewing nun left alive. An Australian brewery gets bought out, and the Aussies freak out in the most adorable way possible. Dirt bike bros, be stoked. You got a hard Mountain Dew. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Like many of our rival news shows, we're going to make you want to drink. But unlike them, it's because you'll be inspired by the wonder of craft beer and not because of the realization that the world is dying, humanity is screwed, so you might as well hasten the inevitable slide into extinction by drowning what's left of your soul in ethanol. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. And kind of a rusty little, like, quick-witted intro right there, Jeremy. I'm, I'm disappointed in that one. Really? I thought yeah. I, was, I thought I thought, I thought it'd be nice. We've played that card before. I thought it'd be nice to start the uh, I guess new season with a with uh, a little bit of uh, nihilism, a little bit nihilist Arby's uh, uh, coming out for you. Well, keep the beef. <laughs> how you doing? Welcome back to the beer cave. Yeah. Uh, how was your summer? It was good. Busy. Can't remember a lot of it. So. <laughs> the sign of a good summer. I could just see. I could actually watch in that pause like. Tyler going, I should probably say something about what I did, but I, I, I don't, I, 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 I drank too much. I Blacking just, out just witness protection for the brain. <laughs> oh, so we're, I brought us a couple of, uh, a couple of beers for us today. They are both, uh, Italian style pilsters because I think I've seen, these are two different ones. I've seen, th- I've seen three breweries do them. So that means it's the fad. Uh, whoop, whoop. You- I, I'm all for Italian style pilsners making a comeback over this type of hazy IPA, that type of hazy IPA, hard Mountain Dew and hard seltzer. Oh, so you know what an Italian style pils- a pilsner is? Yeah. Oh, well, please. Oh, I just know typically it's going to be along the lines of a pilsner, usually a little more bitterness, if I remember correctly, compared to like a Czech style. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, uh, well, I mean, this could be where we've heard uh, two completely different things because the Italian style, I don't almost references like a a Peroni similar. No, actually. Oh, really? Well, okay. So the 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 description that um, I found. Educate me, beer judge. <laughs> that's the thing. It's not a it's not a, a recognized beer style. So uh, officially Ooh. these officially these beers do not exist. So uh, you can't get drunk off these. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let. The officer know if he pulls me over. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Is that um, when you when you drink like 50 of these, you get pulled over. Um, How many beers did you have? None. 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 They're not recognized by the BJCP officer. Um, Little uh, warning here. It's all beer does not condone drunk driving. Uh, This is a joke, uh, and this is not an adequate legal defense. uh, Absolutely. Don't try that. Well, I heard. You know what? Just in general, if if, if you're doing something, if, <laughs> if your defense is, I, I heard it, it on po- it's all beer, or just I heard it on a podcast. Stop what you're doing because you're doing something dumb. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get all your information from Q and on. No, uh, but no, it's not. It is not. It's uh, uh, not really related to Peroni as much as it's kind of. Um, it was a it, a style. Um, kind of developed in the Italian craft beer world. And as it was described to me, uh, dry hopped German Pilsner fermented warmer. All right. And so, I mean, there you do get a little bit more of the bitterness. You get a little bit more hop flavor on that. Uh, you get, there is definitely more of a citrus bite to this one. Uh, this one we're drinking now. It is a dry hopped version. Is so. uh, it, Yeah, it's from uh, Von Ebert Brewing. Um, it's their... Agonostini? We're going to go with that. Um, Fucking nigh unpronounceable names. Uh, Out of Portland, the Agonosti. Um, It's got like a little citrusy bite. Nice, clean malt profile. Um, You do get a touch of fruitiness. So if... If that was what if if my version of the the Italian style is is correct, I think they hit that. Yeah. So I was just pulled up the Oxford Companion to beer. Yeah. See if I could find. Um, again, no Italian style pills. I didn't think so. Uh, you've got German pills, Bohemian pills, and international pills. Well, I mean, so that's where Peroni comes in. Being it's, I think, classified as an internet. I think it's an, actually an international amber lager, if I'm not mm. mistaken. 
Um, but um, um, but I or it's either that or an international light logger. I forget. Um, but um, but no, it's not quite. Those are just kind of light and. It looks like Heineken and Carlsberg are like the market international. The best beer in the world, I hear. No, remember we talked about this on this podcast. They they admit they're probably not the best beer in the world anymore. <laughs> that's a that's a nice way of saying we're fucking undrinkable. Just move on. <laughs> Just move the fuck on. All right. Well, anyway, uh, but oh, this is this is a quality one. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what do you got for us? Uh, well. Since we're talking about the across the pond area, tried to tie it in, but it just didn't flow right. Was, it's our first that, episode that, back. That was guys. the worst transition. Speaking of vaguely over in Europe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. Strap in, boys and girls. Uh, so, found an article from NPR. Uh, that actually, uh, they went and ha- sat down and interviewed Germany's last beer brewing nun. Uh, they went over to Mollersdorf, Germany, uh, where, as we've talked before in Belgium, Germany, it's very typical that every small town has that local brewery, and that's where you get the majority of your beer from. Uh, and it starts the article talking to a farmer. Uh, midday, he starts to work up a thirst, and he goes, My farm has vegetables, a fish pond, herd of sheep. I grow everything except beer. So he drives his car over to the village brewery, plops four crates of beer into the trunk of his car, smiles, uh, and says, Beer is Bavarian bread, and drives away. 80 bottles of beer in the trunk. and That's the most German thing I've ever heard uh, ever. Just... Yeah. Uh so, <laughs> he is buying it from Sister Doris Engelhard, a 72-year-old nun. Uh, she claims to be the world's last nun brewmeister. Um, and a nunnemeister? A nunnemeister. <laughs> you could say there's none like her. But a... This has been It's All Beer. I'm ending this right now after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, she has been uh, the brewmaster... At the Mollerdorf Abbey Brewery in northeastern Bavaria. Uh, the brewery was founded in the 12th century and is home to... F- or the Collister is founded in the 12th century, home to 400 nuns. Uh, apparently in the late 19th century, uh, they were caring for a ton of poor children and decided to open a brewery in 1881... To raise money to help fund their mission. Yeah, that's why they needed a brewery. We got all these kids running around. I need a fucking beer. And gotta pay for them to fucking eat somehow, right? Right. So, I mean, this makes sense. We need booze for us, and then we'll sell the rest, and... And then we deal with these little shits. Yeah. Um, Yardstick, preferably. (laughs) So... They're nuns. I know how they... I know how they run. Um... It's still, like, there's a couple pictures in here that still get me because you see these modern, super nice brewing vessels and a fucking nun standing there. It doesn't look right, but it looks awesome. Uh, So her typical day begins at 5.30 a.m. where she attends morning prayers uh, and then attends mass before she begins work at the brewery at 7. She's dressed in a gray apron wearing a white coif over her gray hair. Uh, she fiddles around with the pressure valves on the side of the tank uh, and starts looking into everything she does. She brews two types she, of beer. She fucks around for the first 30 minutes, as we all do. Yeah. We get to, it's nice to know there's a kind of universality to to a, a workplace, even a 70-year-old, the last the last 70-year-old uh, 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 nun brewer. So when she gets to work, she's like fucking around for the first half an hour. She's like twisting some pressure knobs. I like, 
notice that there's some dust up on one of the fermenters that she really should get to and mm-hmm. looks out the window. There's a squirrel running around and I guess I should probably get to work. Yep. So she brews two types of beers. Would you like to guess the two types, Jeremy? Oh, the German. Uh, what what area of Germany is this? Uh, Northeastern a- Bavaria. He asks, pretending that he actually knows enough about German geography to know what kind of beer styles go where. I'm going to guess a Pilsner and a, and a, and a Helles. Got one out of two. That's not bad. She brews a Bach and a Helles. All right. And... Uh, when asked about other varieties, she waves the idea away with a flick of her hand as if she's heard the question before. I only brew beer that I drink myself. So if the other sisters want to drink a wheat beer, they'll have to buy it themselves. Or make it. I mean, there's a brewery <laughs> right there. I mean, that's... Here's the thing. I'm you... like, how spiteful is this bitch? <laughs> well, I mean, she's 70-year-old and never had sex, so she's probably a bit spiky. Um, but, I mean, but, but, I guess the question is... Well, you know, you don't have to be the last. I feel like there are other nuns you could teach them. <laughs> uh, she does work in the brewery with one other person. Okay. So, so it is her and one other. So, so there's it's two. A, it's so there's a, two brewing nuns. Um, I don't think the other is actually a nun. Oh, okay. The article didn't make mention. Uh, and she, so they brought up the question of faith and beer. She says, beer is part of the Bavarian soul. If you're not happy with yourself, you won't be happy in a Collister. Uh, I think if you are happy with yourself, you probably won't be happy in a Collister. But that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Semantics. Uh, <laughs> and eating and drinking are part of that life. It's not about being poise. Uh, all I need to do is believe in a higher power that accepts me as I am. And what I am is a is a nun that drinks a shit ton. because <laughs> Actually, she doesn't. Really? Uh, on average, she drinks a half a liter of beer a day. When she has company, she gets wild and drinks a full liter. That's not much. No, uh, that's two pints. Yeah. Uh, even by American standards, that's kind of like, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, I mean, again, but 70s. Seven, I mean, she could have been wilder in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes, beer has the least... Amount of calories of all alcoholic beverage. A nice glass of red wine is about the equivalent to my liter of beer. Uh, <laughs> she then turns when they question her and goes, Beer makes you thinner. She smacks her big belly and goes, I only look like this because I eat too much chocolate. <laughs> I, I first of all I, I appreciate that the that the the, the last uh, uh, nun that brews beer um, is a big girl because <laughs> I mean if you wouldn't trust a skinny nun to do this no I was gonna say if she looks like a toothpick I'm gonna be like that beer is dog shit <laughs> uh, it's like you don't trust a skinny chef exactly uh, so uh, the label actually for the beer has her picture on it uh and with this here um it's only available for purchase at the abbey brewery and for now you can buy it from sister doris herself but she is planning on retiring soon and has been looking for a successor uh even if she does retire the beer's label will remain the same a picture of the world's last nun brewmeister wearing her habit and a broad smile, about to drink her her best version of Bavarian bread. Nice. Although she might want to hurry and train somebody at 70 and drinking half a liter a day. Oof. No. Need to step those numbers up. <laughs> uh, but if something untimely were to happen, she does have one other person working there. So it would... Yeah, but she's not a nun. It's not the same thing. I feel like if you don't have... Like the one brewing nun in this world, all hell breaks loose. I was gonna say that that'll tear the last threads of fabric that are holding this society together. Pretty much, and after that, it's anarchy. Up is down, left is right. A B A B start, select start. Yep, yep. Um, I was gonna th- thought you were making an uh, A B Bev joke where they just. And, you know, <laughs> and no, all, I was making a Nintendo joke. And, and, and all beer becomes Budweiser. But Bavaria. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jeremy, now that we talked about a true world-class hero, what do you got? Uh, well, we're going 
across several more ponds to use a, the to use the horrible uh, transitional <laughs> phrase you used. Australians figure out what America's excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> Australians figure out what Americans God, have known so for. Easy is a motherfucker. <laughs> the Australians figure out what we in America have known for a while. News now. Uh, you know, the United States isn't really ahead of much anymore. Education, healthcare, people behaving like they're not batshit stupid. We're kind of behind in all of these categories. Um, but in craft beer, it seems like we're still leading the way. And it's interesting to read news stories from around the world um, and read about um, brewers trying to find an inspiration in American beer. Um, because in far as techniques and styles... Still kind of ahead of the, still kind of ahead of the game, especially experimental styles and what have you, um, including you know some dumb things that should go away. I'm looking at pastry beers and puree beers. Looking at you, 450 North. Looking at you. Um, but uh, a story came out this week that kind of piqued my uh, interest from the Australian broadcasting company ABC News. Just still ABC News. I'm surprised Disney hasn't sued them. <laughs> surprised like Mickey Mouse hasn't. Flopped his dick out after getting off the fucking Millennial Falcon and been like, listen here, gotta change that shit. Did you say Millennial Falcon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a long day, man. Um, I guess what I'm saying it's basically 2015 in Australia right now, which does sound nice. Um, this actually comes from ABC Rural by uh, Kim Honan, and the headline reads... Stone and Wood sailed to Beer Giant Lion labeled Bombshell for Independent Brewing Sector. Uh, this week, one of Australia's largest independent brewers, Stone and Wood, just to be clear, it's Stone and Wood in Australia, so calm the fuck down, Greg Cook. Uh, we're probably getting sued because we said the word stone on this podcast. So, <laughs> And I still just have Mickey Mouse getting off that Chewbacca in like, the Princess Leia like gold bikini slave outfit. Uh, and he's just like drive, <laughs> like I like Greg Cook is no no Mickey Mouse. Uh, okay, <laughs> going to sue the Australian broadcast company. Uh, Greg Cook like like hanging on the side of the the he's chariot. Like, hey, you want to go in on the lawyer? <laughs> I'll bring beer. Um, wow, I got in the weeds right there. Um, no, it's fine. It's fine. Hashtag keep the wood in stone and wood. Um. <laughs> Stone and Wood sold to Lion, which is owned in large part by Kieran, as um, which bought New Belgium. Like I say, uh, we uh, Lion also owns Little Creatures, and they own New Belgium. We covered all this way back in episode twenty-five, in an episode called "Holy Little... Shit." You went back and actually figured I out actually, what episode? I actually looked. Man, we're growing up. I know, right? Uh, it was episode twenty-five, and the episode entitled "Little Creatures and Giant Inflatable Flappy IPA Thingy." Oh, it's a classic one. I like that one. I uh, wish we would have bought one of the little IPA can floppy mans. Uh, but yeah, that's we we had we basically deconstructed Kieran's whole uh, corporate structure to figure out who the fuck owns New Belgium, and the answer is, well, Lion and, and to a certain degree, um, and now they also own uh, this brewery. Um, um, it seems like Kieran and or its subsidiaries are going all mid-teens AB InBev uh, over in Australia and causing a rather familiar existential crisis in the craft beer industry that I think if you've been watching uh, American craft beer for the past decade or so, either either uh, working in it or just as a fan, you kind of know the you kind of know these storylines, and it just charmed me that the, to uh, to hear some of the the reactions to this sale uh, coming out of uh, uh, that, that I could find. Um, an industry analyst, uh, Matt Kierkegaard, described the sale like this, quote, We've seen businesses taken over more and more frequently over the last few years, and so the shock value of each sale has been a bit less. But in the case of Stone and Wood, they had so loudly protested that they were going to stay independent and had criticized others for Lagunitas. the same decision. That's exactly like, uh-huh, yeah, over here we pronounce that Lagunitas. <laughs> Where Tony fucking came out and said, I'd rather die on payroll than uh, sell out. And then Heineken was like, you want a bathtub full of money and uh, to be able to smoke weed all day? And he's like, fucking light it up! <laughs> well, when he said he'd rather... Uh, uh, 
was it die in poverty except for live on payroll or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, when they said that, I, I he don't, was referring to AB and Bev. I don't think they he envisioned uh, regular trips to Amsterdam and all the weed he could jam into his meat sack. That changes the equation a little bit. Um, yep. uh, Kierkegaard continued, they've pioneered so much, and there's so much good they that they've done. But unfortunately, their legacy is going to be the way they exited and the damage they've done. Oh, no. <laughs> gee, yeah. It's kind of like, ooh. <laughs> so, at least from this first thing, it sounds like you take your Lagunitas-style brewery. It's got a high price tag similar to Ballast Point. And then everyone's freaking out like it's Goose Island. So it's like they took all the big American buyouts and just crushed it into one dildo and rammed it down their throats. There is, I mean, there is an element of all of these. I mean, again, I, I, I recognize all these like, oh my God, what does this mean for craft beer like um, reactions in what I've been reading. Um, we should have did an Australian Deadpool. <laughs> I mean, how many Australian breweries can you name? Done. <laughs> All right. Then. I can Google the bitch though. I mean, and I and I probably ought to add a uh, a disclaimer at this point in time. Um, don't know a lot about the Australian uh, craft beer craft beer industry, and so uh, most of what I know I've gleaned in the last uh, forty eight hours. Gonna say, but I don't know a lot means doesn't know jack shit besides what he just researched. Basically, I have done. I have done. Re- I read some stuff to, you know, recently, so I know something. Not not a lot, um, but there's this element of inevitability uh, to this that I notice as a brewery grows, and we've talked about this. Um, the no a, man's land. Exactly. We get you get to this place where if you keep on growing, um, you have to. You, you get to this point where you either you have to reach this point or you die. Um, like I said, we call it no man's land. You, um, where you have to buy another brewery to get to that point. You're or... too. You're basically you're too big to make enough of a living selling out of your little tap room anymore. But you're not big enough to have the resources and the infrastructure and the lobbying power, right? In order to, in order to uh, uh, make a you know make a go of it in the in a wider market, because even as you increase your footprint, you you run into this uh, this. Law of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. and you know, you as as much as people love to just you know spread out and increase their footprint and make these deals, it's you know craft beer being what it is, this you know massive, you know you know people going squirrel all the time. You, you're you're, it's the best thing I can think of is back to my, uh, I think it was an economics class where they were talking about economies of scale, and uh, they were talking about how the cost to produce one more unit doesn't equate to the profit of one more unit. And it's a very steep and then a one-to-one ratio and then back up to very steep and then... Exactly. And And it keeps plateauing. And so when you hit that no man's land, you're on the end of your one-to-one ratio going back up real steep. And so you have to get through that steep part as quick as you can. And where a lot of breweries just find them find like uh, uh, getting getting bought by another uh, entity attractive is because at some point in time you kind of look around you go well I mean it's either this or we die or and you're just straight up tired and it sounds like that's like what happened here at Stone and Wood um, uh, the co-founder Ross uh, uh, Juris Jurish I'm gonna go with uh, talked Jurich? about Jurit yeah. Um, talked about the need to raise fifty million uh, to for for, uh, uh, for a, a brewery in Merwillababa. That's gonna help. Huh? That's I'm gonna, that's gonna how I'm. All right, right there. Okay. Normally, I'm the one that fucks up a city's name. So, uh, dude, every time we talk about Australia, you somehow insult them. <laughs> you pronounce that Merwillamba. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I got close. Uh- the Listen, every Australian word sounds like something made up by a toddler. <laughs> Merwillamba. <clears throat> anyway, despite but despite this town in Australia, let's just call it that. 
An additional location in Australia. <laughs> More Willemspa. <laughs> Don't um, think there was an S in there. There wasn't. Anyway, but despite the previous assertions that they would stay independent, um, they, now, they, they now stand by the sale, saying that actually Lion shares similar values, although I think some are a little bit skeptical about that. Uh, sounds like New Belgium right there. Right. And then it found out that, uh, was it Kieran or Lion supports? The- Kier- it was Kieran. Kieran, like the dictator regime that's that, committing we, that, genocide, and we talked about that. But I mean, long story short, um, the, the the Malaysian military owns shares of Kirtan, mm-hmm. and so Kirtan was paying them dividends, which they used to precipitate murder whole, people. Yeah, you know, essentially an ethnic cleansing. So not great. Not what you, you don't love to see it. Um, yeah, this. This is really just like the melting pot of all American beer fucking buyouts right now. Um, But the Independent Brewers Association, which is near as I can tell, the Australian version of the BA, um, runs a program much similar to help promote independent craft um, in that country, complete with a seal that I gotta say looks much better than ours. Let me see it. I kind of like ours better. Really? You like that better than the upside down catch or like our upside down ketchup bottle? I like our upside down bomber. It has the like history of bomb. Every brewery has done a bomber. I, outside of maybe Oscar Blues. Fair enough. Uh, where that just looks like a fucking pint glass that you threw in a clip art box and wrote "Independent" across the middle. I still like the it look. It's a, looks like a pint as opposed to again upside down ketchup bottle. <laughs> you got nothing to that. Okay. <laughs> it does not look like an upside down ketchup bottle. It does. No. That is not a fucking ketchup bottle. It looks a little bit like a. What kind of fucking ketchup do you buy, bro? Ones that come in beer bottles. <laughs> so it's anyway. a beer bottle. Anyway. <laughs> the. The requirements are actually a little bit more to, to, to bear the, I guess, the inferior um, uh, uh, Australian seal, as you know, and that's Tyler's opinion, not necessarily my own. Um, you know what? How I'm both on there. Uh, the requirement in Australia actually a little more stringent. Um, a, a large corporate brewery cannot own more than 20% of... Oh, beats you by five. Uh, ...to qualify, and they must produce uh, less than 40 million liters per year. Which equates to a little over two hundred fifty thousand barrels. I was gonna say, what's the barrel equivalent? I looked. I, I did the maths. Good. Um, what is? Do you know what off the top of your head what Yingling's barrelage is? Uh, I tried to find it. I could not find I it. I want to say it's uh, two hundred thousand barrels. Okay, so actually there. Ba. Let me look. Okay, well Keep you do going. it. Um, but even with this uh, restriction, there's a sense from this article that the phrase now independent is tainted because of. Uh, of the sale of uh, stone and wood and other sales. Um, another quote from uh, Kiergaard, um, uh, quote, in a lot of ways, stone and wood has climbed the independence ladder and then pushed that ladder down after them. So other pr- other breweries are not going to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of when Sam Adams bought Dogfish Head and they can both still use the seal. And it kind of, to me, kind of tainted the seal a little. Uh, but the seal is... Annual production of six million barrels or less. Six oh six million. Yeah. So actually, Australia. So then, in this that case, is way, way smaller, way larger in Australia. Because unless I, my, I, I don't know. No, sorry, two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand yeah. six million. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a lot more stringent. Um. And then twenty five percent ownership of a craft brewery cannot be controlled or equivalent economic interest. Interest by a beverage alcohol industry member um, uh, doesn't necessarily specify another brewery, another craft yeah. member. But anyway, um, uh, that that quote it almost like it's that the, the that quote kind of describes me in a sense. Like I don't know if that's his opinion or if there is something larger in in Australian beer culture. But there's a sense like that, oh yeah, they're going to be independent and then fly the flag until it's convenient and that's just going to sell out and what's the point? There's almost an element of emo teenager in all that. It's like, everyone you love is going to leave you and let's so let's just listen to My Chemical Romance and drink Budweiser and die inside. All right. <laughs> uh, another quote. 
um, the IBA, the Independent Brewers Association, may well has may well change their name to the Local Brewers Association or the Small Brewers Association because independent any independent that tries to grow is going to be met with skepticism, skepticism and scorn now. Hmm. So I mean, I, again, I, I'm like, is this you or is this is there a greater uh, thing going on? Um, I now just to weigh in real quick. Go for it. Uh, I think people had the similar thoughts when, because really Goose Island was the first big craft. It was the it was that yeah, and it, uh, there was this. I mean, of, you had the Craft Brewers Alliance, but that wasn't a full ownership. That was a whole kerfuffle. Uh, but I feel when Goose Island did, it was. Everyone was like, oh, well, now it's just, like... There was an element of... We're all fucked now. I distinctly remember, like, people just losing their shit, like... And and, ABM Bev's gonna own every craft beer now. And I was in in Omaha at the time, and so a lot closer to... Was Ten Barrel or Goose Island first? It was Goose Island first. Um, okay. Ten Barrel shortly after, because I because Ten Barrel sold when I moved. That was a little bit later, because Ten Barrel sold in 2015 when I 14 when I moved back here, like a, by a number of weeks. Goose Island was first, and there really and being in the Midwest that time, there really was this. I mean, people were like, you know, fuck Goose Island forever, and then there was that weird thing where they where everyone forgets on Black Friday and goes and buys bourbon. Well, no, there was that um, ABM Bev started buying up the copyrights to area codes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the panic fucking kicked right. in. That's why Firestone bought 805. Grand TTM did, did two away. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But that's that's neither here nor there. But I mean, so the angst is probably very real. Um, and and it's it's compounded because as I continued to to research some of this, I, f- I found out that Stone and Wood actually helped found the IBA. So it was as if the the owners of Goose Island founded the Brewers Association shortly before they sold the AB InBev. Which they were big members. They were big members, but they didn't help found the organization. True. So there's a, I mean, in the book I gave you to read... Which I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, they, they actually talk about like the kind of blowback they received from the BA when they sold. Um, and... And I think, and and I think you you would it just kind of emphasizes the point that I don't know about Goose Island because I haven't read the book yet, but I think it's safe to say that Stone and Wood would have stayed independent if that was a viable option for them, um, because I mean I don't think anyone likes to go this route, especially with the blowback, um, and you and especially and it seems to be a, like an early stage, and I feel like we're jaded over here because. When New Belgium sold to Kieran, there was a few people like, well, I'm never drinking New Belgium again. A few. I think most of them were like, eh. But it's, we've been so desensitized to it that. Actually, today, I had a customer come in and say something about, oh, yeah, Sierra Because he was, we were talking about the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest. And he was like, oh, yeah, Sierra Nevada. I love them a whole lot more before they sold out. And, I'm like, and I kind of point out that. I kind of point out that actually Sierra Nevada is one of the few that have not. And he goes, oh. Oh, I guess I guess I just assumed they did because he, you know, we're just he, he, you know, the he would just assume that any brewery of any size had long since sold out. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, that's that's where, and we, you've talked more shit than I have, but that's where that plays a part. True, but um, that's where the seal can play a part in teaching. In educating customers, absolutely. But when, but it does to a certain point when you get stuff like the dogfish head Sam Adams deal. It, I think I even mm-hmm. that was my position even then. I kind of I kind of maintain that now. Is it muddies the waters yeah. and it doesn't help your cause? No. And I think the reason they kind of decided to muddy the waters is that was two of the biggest. Like you look at dogfish heads like overboxing for six pack cans. That seal takes up most of one I, side. I saw it. Was like, so uh, I'm like, and they, they changed. They changed that shortly after the uh, the the deal. I'm like, compensating? Are we? I think I have a picture of that on our Twitter feed. No, that <laughs> they had announced that before they sold. Oh yeah, and that they were like, we are 100 percent behind mm. 
the independent seal. And so when they sold, they couldn't really back out. And so the BA was like, well, shit, these are like our two biggest like proponents of this seal. Yeah. We can't be like, you can't use it anymore. I mean, you can. You can. You're going to lose a shit ton of uh, your membership dues. Because especially since it's scaled to the size of your brewery, you're talking about your number, what, number two and number five? I'm guessing, off the top of my head. I know Sam Adams is like number two. Two, behind Ying Wing. And Dogfish had five, I feel like it's a good estimate, at the time. I think five to seven, somewhere okay. in there. So, I mean, but two of your top ten breweries, kicking them out. Not, listen, I'd probably, if I was running that organization, I'd be like, just, it's fine, it's fine, we want your money. Anywho, um, back to the ABC article. Um, one of the founders uh, was quoted as saying, um, at the end of the day, Sooner or later, as the founder of a business, you're going to hand your business on, whether it's to your business partners, your children, or whatever the case may be, but you're not going to take it to the grave with you. Mm-hmm. And I feel at this point in time, Australia has ceased to be where the English sent their hardened prisoners and just a place where they used to, they now send whiny teens that wear too much makeup. It's very emo over there. <laughs> I guess what, I, I'm here to, I, what I'm here to say is, um, to the people of, of the Australian, uh, to Australian craft beer fans, it's probably fine. Breweries you love will get snatched up by big corporations, and that sucks, but there's still plenty of independent craft out there, and a lot of times the big conglomerates realize that there's no fucking money in this craft beer bullshit, and they either crush the brand under its idiot corporate boot, see Constellation Balance Point, or they just take what they can get and let the brands kind of do what they want to do, see basically anything owned by AB InBev. So, yeah. Which, I gotta give AB problems, especially for Goose Island. They let them stay true to their ethos. Um, put your put your money where it does the most good and have a pint and put a shrimp on the barbie or whatever you people do down there. Uh, the one thing I guess I would say is I was talking to a beer rep and we were talking about how the craft beer industry can just grind you up and everyone's got an expiration date in this industry. It really and and so I guess with that frame of mind, every brewery's got an expiration date. <laughs> you you've got a kill date on the bottom of your shoe. Oh shit! Mine's what, like six what, months past. <laughs> whether you sell out, and I'm a whether, hazy. <laughs> whether you sell out, whether you get out of the industry, or well, whether you just go belly up. On that lovely note, speaking of independent craft, uh, we've switched to the other Italian pilsner I brought uh, I brought for us. Um, this is actually a uh, what Spotify song do they have on the can? I did not. Lo- I did not actually. Uh, I mean, uh, did not actually listen to it. Do you got Spotify? I do not on your have phone? Spotify. Oh, neither. Because I'm because because I'm not a heathen. I use Apple uh, 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 music like a decent person. Oh, fuck Apple. <laughs> um, I don't have. So, uh, in case you're wondering what the hell that is, um, uh, local brewery Woodland Empire has their B-side series. Um, this one is the Keep the Change. It's their Italian-style pilsner. And every and they they every beer is inspired by a, a song that inspired them. And um, I think this in this case it's called Keep the Change. Um, they have a little Spotify scan logo on the side of their cans. It's kind of cool. You can you can make a beer playlist. That's guess, I guess that's what I'm saying, which is I, a fairly brilliant idea. I oh, rather like. Genius. It's one of my favorite ideas Woodland's ever done. So, compared to the last one, what do you think? A lot more bitterness I'm getting out of this one, and a little more sweetness. The first thing I noticed was a lot more sweetness, like. The idea, you know, and again, if if what I if if my conception of an Italian style pilsner is true, and um, way darker, that's true. I mean, this almost is maybe it's the weird light, but this damn near is an amber. It's not damn near an amber, but it's like a blonde, where that pilsner was like that. You could hold it up and. But it's also got a little toast. It's also yeah. got a little toastiness to it. Um. Um. And the fruitiness is a little bit more is a little bit more pronounced, which I think if you're I mean if the the idea is a warm fermented lager is not a necessarily no, a flaw. Yeah. If you said this is a German style pilsner, I'd say well you did it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, a woodier hop profile. Yeah. 
different. I'm not sure I'd say... I think I slightly prefer the uh, the Van Ebert because I feel like it's a little bit smoother, a little bit more drinkable. But I like and, the, and in my mind, that's what I more imagine. But I like the complexity probably. of um, of this one by Woodland Empire. So I'd be fine trying either of these on like a Czech style side pour. Well, there we go. I don't. So buy one, Jeremy. I don't. I don't think you can get. Either of these on draft, I know you can't get this. This was a, the B side series is a is a rotating uh, series of one offs, so you can't get this one anymore. They're onto something else, I think. Uh. Um, or maybe they, no, actually, stretches. I think they may still have this on draft. So no, Woodland Empire needs to put one of their side uh, uh, pour. Side pour. Yeah, I want a slow pour of that bitch. But I feel like I know one person from Woodland Empire in particular is listening. So get on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to pop back across the pond again to stateside. <laughs> At this point in time, we've actually circumnavigated the globe, so... <laughs> yep. Uh, welcome to the welcome to this all, uh, it's all beer uh, world tour podcast. Whoop, whoop. We went around the world. We only made a stop in Germany, Italy, and Australia. We missed all the heathen places where they don't drink beer. Where else you need to hit? Uh, so, I want to flash back a little bit to February 2021 in Texas. Ah, uh, yeah. That was that was fun times, provided that uh, you weren't in Texas. Yeah. So, if you're thinking, the fuck are they talking about? Texas got a huge winter storm that they were completely unprepared for. Uh froze most people didn't have power water most basic necessities uh but they had snow in their yard but they and they also had a free market electric grid which i'm sure they were real happy for right then well perfect that you (laughs) go uh jessica infante uh who works for brewbound actually broke this article and it's the only place i could find this article and Jeremy and I are too poor to pay for a Brewbound uh, subscription. If you, um, if you, keen listeners, that may be only one of you, you may have may have uh, noticed that we referenced Brewbound quite a lot early in this podcast, uh, and we, then pandemic hit, and then we haven't really since. The answer is because Brewbound, rightly so. I mean, I don't I don't fault anybody for uh, for putting their stuff behind behind a paywall, and actually. Um, I was all for like no, we do a lot of stuff with them. We ought to we we ought to uh, we ought to chip in. And then we saw the price. And then we saw the price was three. I think it's three hundred bucks a year. Three seventy one. Three seventy one. And we're like, all right, maybe if we ever get any money out of this, we will pony I'm like, up. If it was like a hundred bucks a year, I think we would have pony. We would have split the cost. And we would have done it. Yeah, that's, that's a night at the bar that we could have just uh, you know especially, foregone. Especially, I mean, the, the 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 sad thing is is that they really do. Some the, awesome stuff. They do the best reporting in the industry, and mm-hmm. and I don't fault them. So for... if you have the money to spend, I would recommend going there. It is <laughs> we don't. So how do so so how do, <laughs> so we you got creative? <laughs> yeah, uh, but beer Twitter's a hell of a thing. Uh, so I screenshotted her tweet. Uh, AB InBev is actually suing uh, the Texas Energy provider uh, for price gouging. Um, they quoted that the energy bill for its Houston brewery and glass plant for February should have historically has averaged about $233,298.74. Right. That's what it should have been. I mean, that's what, that's what it has been. I mean, the, you know, yeah. they, the, they can look at their past bills, see what they're being charged for a kilowatt hour, see how many kilowatt hours they used. And project it. Correct. Um, I mean, they're, they function on a free market system, so it's sometimes a little bit higher, a little bit lower. But yes, they, they got kind of a, a, an average. They well, could have looked at January and March kilowatt hour prices and projected if they really wanted. Correct. Uh, what it actually turned out to be, due to the variable pricing from Winter Storm Erie, was... Four million dollars eight hundred or four million eight hundred fifty six thousand seven hundred eighteen dollars and twenty seven cents. So a night at the bar for AB and Bev. Uh, and just the mind boggling fact is, when you when because there's people that are suing because they got 
$10,000 electric bills because they still had power and they didn't want to freeze to death in their house. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I, they're, they're, they're pansies, and I'll go on record saying that you know, just, just freeze to death, you, you, you Texas pansy. But um, You want freedom. Uh, <laughs> but so what, what just gets me is when all these people are like pitchforks out, like, let's take down the electric company. And the person leading the fucking charge is AB InBev, and you just stop and go. I mean, it does. I do find myself in the very unenviable position of rooting for AB InBev. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know the system's fucked when AB InBev goes, no, you took it too far. Well, uh, you know, I mean, that's this is this is the this just the 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 key rule of capitalism. All right, I mean, you can fuck the poor people all you want, fuck them, you know, upwards, downwards, the sideways. Can, who can the afford minute, lawyers? The minute you fuck with the rich, you're screwed, and that's where Bernie Madoff went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if he would have just taken poor people's money, it would have been fine. He'd still be running a company. You know, you know, he, it probably would have still gone under, but he would have been fine. You'd fuck with the rich, you go to jail. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying here. You're not wrong. <laughs> Sad, but not wrong. Exactly. So I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, you done fucked up, Texas Electric Company, whatever you're called. So I wish I had more information. I tried googling for a couple hours this past week, uh, trying to find anything on information on the lawsuit. Wasn't able to. So if anyone does find it, please send it our way. We'd love to like actually. Get a little more details on this. I guess what we're saying, well, you know, it, developing story. That's a developing yeah. story. Is that a lawsuit is, and that's probably all it is, a lawsuit pending, you know. Yeah. Because a lot of times, as we've learned with, you know, we brought up the stone, you know, the stone and keystone. By the way, someone brought that up. Do we know where we left, where that left? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, It was starting to turn in favor of stone. But nothing official had been decided, as so far as I remember. So it's still in litigation, or whatever. It's yeah. So I mean, I mean, the point is, is that these things move so slowly that that probably is all the only thing to it is that AB and Bev is suing whatever. You, it didn't say what provider. It was. So yeah, AB and Bev is suing, and you know we'll figure out what happens from there. So um, you know, developing story, I guess. All right. Crimes against man, woman, child, law, God, and nature news now. <clears throat> this covers them all. Mountain Dew, a beverage I believe is the result of a grand social experiment to see what dumbass shit people will put in their face if you convince them that it's extreme and... It's Radical! They've decided to move to a new phase. And they're bringing with them the second largest craft brewery in the United States and once respected member of the independent beer community. The Boston Beer Company. Who makes truly twisted tea and dogfish. <laughs> uh, you missed one. Sam Adams. You missed... No, you, you mentioned that. You, you missed the other one. Angry Orchard. Oh, yeah. I forgot Angry Orchard. But well done, yes. Um, makes mainly everything besides beer. Pretty much. Um, and I'm glad you brought up Dogfish Head because if there's anybody there out there that love craft beer, they really should have stopped this. In fact, any person in that company... If they had any love for humanity, they should have stopped this. But they didn't. Boston Beer Company uh, have teamed up with PepsiCo to bring us hard Mountain Dew. That's right. If you've run out of meth and are too lethargic to mix Mountain Dew and vodka to help quiet the sounds of a dog ripping out the throat of this week's mail carrier just outside your trailer, Boston Beer Company has just the product for you. <laughs> that made up for the shit intro. I actually just saw, I saw this reported on uh, the Beer Street Journal by Reed Ramsey. Um, PepsiCo announced uh, this abomination thusly. Quote, for 80 years, Mountain Dew has challenged the status quo, bringing bold flavors and unmatched beverage innovation to millions of fans. Listen, I hate to be the breaker of bad news, but, Mount, but making Mountain Dew boozy is hardly innovative. It's been a staple of bored 13-year-olds trying desperately to make rubbing alcohol smooth enough to ingest without projectile vomiting. It's, it's a thing. It's been done. Oddly enough, it blends pretty good with cheap whiskey. Vodka. We, I found that out in... No, no, no. Whiskey blends better than vodka. Really? It was in, intentionally made to blend with whiskey. 
because Mountain Dew's a slang term for moonshine whiskey. Ah, we actually that get into that. Um, but I mean, but while on the subject, add booze to it is also not innovation because no. if, if it is. You, me, and everybody I've ever known in college are fucking Steve Jobs. Or middle school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as the Grub, I say, as the Grub Street, uh, as Grub Street noted, um, there is an element of coming full circle to this announcement because, as you just said, before Mountain Dew became the official drink of skateboard kids and the primary nutritional source for gamers, uh, Mountain Dew was marketed as a kind of hillbilly drink. Its name is a, a euphemism for moonshine, and back in those days, the tagline for Mountain Dew was, It'll tickle your innards. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree it's finally living up to that promise. Uh, it's, I'm not surprised. When I saw this announcement, I wasn't surprised PepsiCo was getting into uh, the alcohol beverage market. I was surprised that they were using Mountain Dew to do it. That is kind of, actually kind of thinking about that is an odd choice to begin with. Yeah, Coca Cola got into it last summer with Topo Chico hard seltzer, right? Uh, and so Pepsi, of course, had to respond, or you risk being overrun. But the Mountain Dew is where I. Oh, it gets better if boozy Mountain Dew still doesn't inspire awe and maybe a colorectal explosion. PepsiCo also released Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew last month. Um, Flamin' Hot Cheetos? The beverage for those of you who always wondered what the stomach contents of a teenager playing D&D would taste like. <laughs> it is only available on its online store for a limit of time. I have not heard whether flaming or, or hard Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew will ever exist. But if you think about it, Flamin' Hot Cheetos soaked in booze and Mountain Dew, add a drowned cigarette butt and you've got an Alabama breakfast smoothie. You okay there, Tyler? I'm good. (laughs) In other horrific uh, news, the Beer Street Journal also reported this tidbit. AB InBev, suddenly at risk for not being the most offensive producer of alcoholic beverage product uh, this week, defended their territory with the release of Pumpkin pumpkin Spice Bud Light Seltzer. Oh, you knew they were going to do that. That's too easy. Um, it comes as part of a full fall lineup um, with the number three brand of fizzy booze water, along with uh, other flavors such as toasted marshmallow, maple pear, and apple crisp. Every season, like last winter, they had out a full fucking like Christmas theme one, where it was like a peppermint. A you pay a lot more attention to a, a, a Bud Light seltzer than I do. Uh, only reason I know is my wife saw it on TikTok. And was like, one of these sounds really good. I'm going to go buy a 12-pack. Because you can only buy it in the mixed 12-pack. And she bought it and she's like, these are all fucking garbage. She's like, the only one that's slightly passable is the gingerbread. And she's like, and it still feels like I'm snorting fucking cinnamon off a hooker's asshole. I don't feel like that was her exact words. That doesn't. That doesn't. That's sound... how I described it. Okay, I'm like going. I, I know your wife, and that I don't think she would use quite that vernacular. But when I said that, she's like, "Oh, yeah, I could see that." She's like, "It's shitty." She's like, "But it's the best of these fucking beers." That I actually could hear coming out of her mouth. Um, although I, I, I did have to take a step back. Pumpkin spice seltzer is dumb, but. Um, but it's going to sell like hotcakes. It man. is. But also, I... It'll I, sell like cocaine at a frat party. And <laughs> as I was you know, screwing around uh, with this story, um, I happened, to, happened upon a, uh, a, uh, a article from Eater Magazine back in 2017. Um, and it was their, pro- uh, their uh, uh, list of 65 products that should not be fucking pumpkin spiced. Um, most of them were actually, I think, fucking fine. They were like pumpkin spice donuts, delicious. Um, plum- uh, pumpkin spice like pastries, yeah, or whatever. Uh, most, I'm fine with, yeah. Most of those were that. I'm going. That's fine. In fact, that sounds kind of nice. But like snickerdoodle cookies, yeah. Oh my god, oh, fantastic! It's like the only pumpkin spice thing I really enjoy. Someone there had a vendetta against pumpkin spice and really wanted 65 things, but there were a few things on this list. It's like that the Boise Weekly article that talked about what you could have done instead of buying a Nickelback concert. You could have bought hammers from the dollar store and that, beat yourself with it. That was a stroke of genius. <laughs> um, um, but there were some things on this list that were kind of fucked up. Um, among them were pumpkin spiced protein powder. For your post-workout. 
<laughs> Get swole, but stay in season. Pumpkin spiced fucking dog treats. I think if I hand my dog a pumpkin spiced dog treat, he'd be like, the fuck is this, bro? I'm still going to eat it because I'm a whore for treats. But the fuck? But I am going to throw up in your shoes. Yeah. Sparkling cider with pumpkin juice and spice. Okay, pumpkin spice sparkling cider. That sounds amazing. It was the like a mold cider where it's hot, served with those spices, hundred percent in. Go for it. That was amazing. Pumpkin juice in there. Yeah, nope. <laughs> How the fuck do you get pumpkin juice? Uh, you put a pumpkin in a juicer. I don't know. I, I thought maybe the article elaborated. No, Sorry. no, no. It literally just gave these. Oh. These are just products that exist. There is okay. no description. There's nothing besides. It's just these. These things exist in the world. So someone just made a list. Someone and made they a list. Published it. Yes, that's what they do there. Um, that's even lazier than this podcast. Uh, pumpkin spice kale chips. Okay, first of all, it's kale chips, so you're already shit. So. No, 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 you're not. That's why you're eating the kale chips, so you will shit. Um, pumpkin spiced peeps. I'd rather eat shit. <laughs> pumpkin spice peeps. Again, now, it's not statement stands for both of them. It's those. not. It's not the pumpkin spice I object to. It's yeah, the concept of peeps. Peeps are. Are marshmallows pulled out of Satan's asshole? I was gonna say it's like meth head cotton candy. Um, pumpkin spice moonshine, which is just apple pie moonshine. I was gonna say apple pie moonshine, which I object. I'll allow it. I object to on a fundamental level because look, there's two. There's first of all, I I, I get annoyed with people going, oh, I'm gonna make moonshine, and make and make apple pie. Jesus Christ. Okay, thing is though, it does cover up really bad moonshine and. I've been on a party bus with, <laughs> with uh, where this is going. 160 proof uh, moonshine. So 80% alcohol. Had two mason jars. I sent one down one side, one down the other side. The groom said, we're not going to the strip club. By the time the mason jars made it back to me, we were at a strip club. He was on the stage. <laughs> uh, I wrecked everyone's nights. And then I was so hungover the next day. I had to work, and then Jeremy and our friend Renee text me and goes, he goes, dude, I just got a fucking can of Heady Topper, uh, meet me here, we're gonna pop it, and I go, I can't, if I, <laughs> if I drink it, I will throw up, and I had never had Heady Topper, and that was like one of my bucket list beers to have, and I had to pass it up. So by making it apple pie, it makes it a little smoother, easier, where you're not breathing fire and lose all fucking You're st- moisture in your mouth when you take the drink. The problem is you're still going to drink the same amount. You're just going to drink more and you're still going to have a hangover because you're drinking gut rot and worse with the sugar. Yes, but it makes it go down easier. I had a friend on the party bus when we stopped to buy more beer uh, grabbed a pack of fucking cough drops would throw the cough drop in Take a swig of that, so he had some flavor to a help with the moonshine. I feel like that says more about your friend <laughs> than you know what this fucking moonshine needs, man. A cough drop. Pull over. We're gonna get a cough drop. <laughs> so I will allow apple pie moonshine. All right, fine. Caribbean style salsa with pumpkin spice. It sounds maybe good, but I, I'm skeptical. That's one of those things, like. Actually, part of me says that's actually probably amazing just because I, if it's a weird flavor combination. Like, but it could be delicious. But it also just could be fucking awful. So. Yeah, like I'd have to try it to make a verdict. Um, I guess what I'm saying is is the only surprising thing about this, uh, uh, this uh, crime against humanity is that it didn't happen earlier. Was hard seltzer the, the the pumpkin spice hard seltzer? Yeah. Was that on the list? No, it wasn't. This was back in this. The list was made in 2017. So before hard seltzer, well, right when hard seltzer was starting to be a thing, was I think twice, it was the summer of the claws. Tw- no, that was a little bit before. That was twenty. No, that was mm, twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah, that was fuck. That shit. That was ain't no law summer. Oh god damn it. Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm depressed. Tyler, do you have anything else for us today? No, that about wraps it up. All right. Well, this has been it's all beer. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, see what stories we use to put together this thing, uh, you can find that on our Twitter feed at uh, it's all beer one. Um, we've got pictures of, of what we've been drinking and promotional shit I do occasionally when I can be buggered on Instagram. So at it's all beer. Lazy bastard. You can 
I can count the number of, <laughs> of posts that you've done uh, on on any of our Facebook pages on no hands. Um, but, no, no. <laughs> and I you did can, one. You, okay. Uh, you can find us, and you can find us on our Facebook page. Look for "It's All Beer." Uh, I put a bunch of stuff up there too uh, when I can be buggered. Um, and if you uh, uh, have stories uh, you want to uh, 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 send to us, you can uh, send it to us at uh, it's uh, at it's all beer at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, tweet some at us. Uh, thanks for uh, or carrier pigeon. Yeah, um, or a uh, rocket donkey. Rocket donkey works too. I've got a. I'd be impressed by that. Rocket donkeys work. Um, you, uh, Twitter works as well. Uh, thanks, uh, uh, Will. He sent us a couple of articles uh, over the summer uh, that I we didn't get to because um, I I fuck off during the summer. I don't I don't pay attention to any social media. I I turn that shit off because it's 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 horrible out there. Spring break. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the entire summer um, uh, in a waiting pool in my living room uh, with a margarita in one hand and um, and my dick in the other. That's a lie. I, I, I've got a... It, and a box <laughs> fan blowing on your grunt. <laughs> oh, that's a lie. I, I wish, that sounds nice, though. It sounds like a nice way to spend a summer. Anyway, um, and if you're and, and still listening and you want to, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. So, first of all, something's wrong with you. Uh, number two, uh, well, leave us a review. Uh, you can put it on uh, iTunes uh, or on Spotify. Uh, you can find us both there. And uh, subscribe, too, while you're at it, because, you know, then you get this. I now have plans for next summer, so... Then you can get this magic delivered directly in, into your uh, device of choice, and you don't have to uh, wait for us to announce it. And I think uh, after that, and the word, and the fact that the word grundle has uh, made its way into the first episode of this uh, uh, new season, I guess that'll be done. Uh, and I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Man.